What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an on-Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank basement on a Monday and talk about what just happened on Sunday. That's why we call it On Sunday. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. Glad to meet you guys. <laughs> For the very my, first with time. With my ears. Glad to ear meet you. Oh um, how was your week, Rob? Uh, it's good. We, um, I don't know why this happened, but this week, uh, I introduced my children to the Wizard of Oz. Why? Uh, why do you say I, that? That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Like somehow in conversation, something came up. You know, there's all those tropes from the movie. First of all, it is a classic. Is It is actually still a very good film. Like mm. it holds up. It, of course, it's very dated. The, um. You know, the special effects. And like, mm-hmm. It was 1939 yeah, right. this movie came out. My gosh. It is still actually enjoyable to watch mm. uh, as an adult. Okay, but for one time. But my, my daughter fell in love with this movie. We have watched it a dozen times. I'm not oh, joking. Wow. In three days, she only wants to watch this. <laughs> it's so strange because it's like, this is such an old movie, but she loves the munchkin land. Yeah, she always yeah, is yeah. asking. You know that part? Where it's like we represent yeah. the, the lollipop. lollipop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she loves it. She she and and at first she was like terrified of the witch because the witch is pretty scary in that thing. Like they didn't hold back. There's like, definitely scary parts. Yeah, and and the monkeys. The monkeys the, are scary too. They're like ripping the scarecrow part and stuff. Yes. It's like, yeah. There's some creepy stuff. She was definitely spooked, but then after a while she started to like the witch. Like she actually says that. You know, that's like her favorite character now. She's she like, wants to be a witch when she grows she up. She says, I yeah. want to be nice to the witch. I so is that, nice. is this all a teaser for what you're going to do for Trunk or Treat? No, but you know what? <laughs> if she's so pumped about it, I, I could see that being a real possibility. She would us. be so, Toto. She could be Toto. <laughs> she could honestly be a little Dorothy. That would be adorable. Well, that and would she's, she's going to love, uh, what's the, the musical one? The musical. One. It is but, a musical. Uh, yeah. No, musical. but the, uh, I mean, the other, uh, the big Broadway musical. The one with Pink Floyd dubbed over oh, it? Oh, uh, <laughs> no, you're talking about like the, the modern. Yeah. Because uh, you gosh, get you get it? the backstory of the Wicked Witch. I've never seen Wicked. it, but it's isn't called, that? It's Wicked. called Wicked. Yeah. Yes. Wicked, yeah. Wicked. You get the backstory. So she's going to like that someday. I like, did. We did actually see that. What in, made the Wicked Witch what she is? We went, me and Mallory were in San Francisco when that was out. This was so many years ago. You went we saw it. it. We saw it in the theater. It was actually good. I bet it was great. Yeah, I've heard it's great. I've never seen. But it. the music in the original Wizard of Oz is actually really good. Dude, I made the mistake though of watching the uh, the Judy Garland like oh I know biopic or whatever. What's it? Is that is that what it's called when it's yeah. it's not like a documentary? It's someone playing them biopic. Is that what it is? But anyways, I made the mistake of watching that. Now when I see Wizard of Oz, I'm just sad. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's really sad. She's like, yeah, like uh, like TV companies like owned children, you know, back then. Yeah. And she was pumped full of drugs. and Yeah, to keep her skinny, to keep her awake, to keep her. Yeah, they did all kinds of crazy stuff. It's so sad. That's wild. I did not yeah. know any of that. But aside from all that, the movie is... Actually, really good. And my, my, both my ha- kids. Have you watched it. the movie with the Pink Floyd album dubbed over it? <laughs> I don't uh-huh. even know what you've you're heard t- of this. I don't even know what you're talking I have about. Not you've heard never of heard of this. No. Pink Floyd's. You're the bigger, the big stoner. You used to be a stoner. So you would know. Dude, this is a Floyd. common cultural <laughs> thing. And yes, it is in stoner culture. But um, it, it's a well known fact. If you take Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon album. Okay. And right when the lion 
kicks on, right? In the beginning of the film, you know, the lion roars, yes. the what, yeah, yeah. Paramount picture. What, who? Yeah, yeah. Paramount. Anyway, right when the lion starts roaring, you hit play on the album and you, you obviously mute the music or the whole movie and you just let the album play and it will play. And then as soon as the album ends, it goes halfway in the movie. The album will end. It will start again. And then it will go the other half of the movie. And the literally the music follows thematically perfectly to the movie. You should, you should totally... On, on purpose or people discovered this after the fact? Well, there's the conspiracy theory, okay. right? Did they write the Did album? Pink Floyd record and edit this album Based to the on movie? this movie, yeah. Or is it just coincidence? And how wild would that be? Mm. But um, is there coincidences? Hmm. Anywho, that's how that's how it works. Uh, getting into a bigger. So whenever discussion, I think of Wizard of Oz, <laughs> getting into a theological discussion, <clears throat> no. all of a sudden cultural yeah. discussion. <laughs> well, that's cool, man. That's great. That ate up a lot of my time this week. <laughs> how many times did you watch it this week? Uh, for me personally, a few, two or three. But she watched it a dozen times. It was really just on in the background. Oh my god, she wants movie. to watch it all the time. That's crazy, dude. I. Uh, yeah, I I did a lot of yard work this week while the sun was out. Mm. I built a fence, tore down my old fence, leveled dirt. I was just going after it. My body is killing me. I'm so sore from doing my hand, my fingers and my toes hurt from doing all this yard work. But I had to get it all done before the uh, the weather got bad. And right when I finished, it started getting nasty. So, yeah. That's another thing I did this week. I ripped down my tree in front of my house. Oh, yeah. Tony Hansen came over and Sergey, my neighbor. And then Tony had a friend in town named Ron. I think he's from like Eugene or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He came in. And That's cool. We cut down the little tree in front of my house. That's nice. funny. It's awesome. And all went well. Very so cool. Thanks to those dudes. What'd they do with all the wood? Tony I took got it? A, I know I got a bunch. Well, Tony took a bunch of like the branches because he's got a big burn pile. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. my burn pile is going to be huge. <laughs> well, I've got, a, I've got an old fence I need to take to Tony's house too. I know. He was mentioning about that. He's like, I think you gave him a fence before. Oh, or was I it did. Your fence, Cody. No, I've, uh, this is like the third time I've done this. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, the last time Aaron gave me a fence, it was, the fire was super tall. Oh, dude. It was, it was 12 by 15. <laughs> you know, it was huge. That's wild. Yeah. I've taken him some Arborvitas. Is what I've. Oh, okay. <laughs> After they were already half charred, <laughs> <laughs> they went up like that. <laughs> pre, you know, pre, from, ex from experience. <laughs> That's really funny. So, yard work, huh? Anything yeah. else? Um, I mean, I wrote a sermon. That's true. And which we'll get to John. in a minute. Yep. But I can't really remember. I think I was still depressed. Like I mentioned last week, I was getting over all that from, I mean, depressed from my unsuccessful mm -hmm. hunting trip. <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to process that. And then getting the uh, the hate mail from my wife and others because I compared my post-hunting oh. depression to postpartum depression. You, you, deserve, oh, you deserve all the mail. I do yeah, remember I, that. I knew I was inviting criticism, but it's okay. I was just trying to do the best I could to <laughs> relate it in a way that could be understandable. But evidently, I'm getting canceled. Well, I here. mean, I don't understand why you think women can't relate to hunting Women hunt too. Oh, they it's can. Kinda, that's kind of sexist. Uh, that's what I was trying to do. Send send your your new hate mail to office at canbechristian.org. <laughs> no, I think they can relate, but then clearly they can't. They're saying that they don't. It's not even a close comparison. Well, I meant was you could just say you know what it's like when you're hunting and you don't. But you're like, how can I make women understand? This? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there must 
must be something about birth that will help women understand what I went through. Oh my god! Oh boy, this is so good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I won't use it again. Send, Thank you. Send more hate mail, please. <laughs> How was your week, Cody? Jeez. <laughs> Oh, my week was good. Yeah, we had our first like normal youth group. We had our youth group kickoff where we invite parents to come and hear about what's going on. Uh, and then that was cool. But this week was the first normal youth group getting back into it. We have some new volunteers. We have new students, fifth graders that became sixth graders. Uh, you know, middle school students are now high school students. But uh, all of that is really uh, fun and exciting to see them. And, uh, and will be even more exciting as we move a week or two ahead and we have our student ministry director here yeah. working with us. <coughs> um, so yeah, new season of youth group is very, very exciting. That is exciting. Um, yeah. And then I, uh, yeah, watched some, watched a soccer game, watched a volleyball game for my Your girls. Kids games, yeah. Yeah, for my girls. Watched some other sports. <laughs> <laughs> Did watched Seattle the, win yesterday? Oh yeah, they're on a huge win streak. Huge. Huge one game? Two, two in a row. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. But they are. They're fun to watch. They're a good team. Dude, did you see the, the Dolphins? Yeah. Smashed yeah. Denver. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's hilarious. Yeah. Not that I'm really into sports. I just saw the the uh, headline. Yeah, no, that it was, was crazy. Funny. Yeah. Crazy game. Crazy, yep. crazy. Yeah, they were, uh, if they had kicked a field goal at the end, they would have had, like, the record. Yeah. 73 points, most in an NFL game, and they just, like, didn't. Why? And their coach was like, I don't care about that. Yeah. Like, I want to win games the rest of the season. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which was pretty funny. He's kind of an odd, he's kind of an odd dude. I've never even seen that guy before. Mm. Well, I don't know. I don't know anything about that stuff. I don't care. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the we gospel started of John. John. Before yeah. we move, John. lose everybody with the our way, sports commentary. The truth <clears throat> and the life and the yeah. name. And the name. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't get Did it. Did you that notice was... that first service, I, your quote, <laughs> I put in like a- What like quote? A, Which one? You quoted someone in the sermon. But we, don't, did, we don't know, we don't a, know you who quoted you quoted because there's anonymous, no name. Yeah, you quoted an anonymous person. Anon. Anon. Okay. I put in the slide name because I was going to ask you, who the heck is this? Do you want me to put a name in there? <laughs> so when you the... read it, it just says the quote underneath <laughs> name. And then yeah, I was like, said I have to delete at that. the bottom of the quote. So, <laughs> and somebody was trying to theorize. I can't remember who it was now, but they were like, maybe it has something to do, like maybe it's part of the graphic, like you know, Jesus, <laughs> the like the name, you know, like it has something to do with like the series title, yeah, and that's why it said name on the screen in the it background of that quote. <laughs> just a typo, just just a kerfluffle. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty funny. That, that is funny. Um, but yeah, we started John. I, I mean, I, I, th- I, I, I'm excited to start the series <laughs> because yeah, as I said on Sunday, the hope of being, I, I guess, more obviously evangelistic. Mm-hmm. Um, is that because you? Yeah, I, I felt like you were maybe a, a little bit more pumped up at the intro of your sermon than is like typical. Of, for, of for me your, personally? For your preaching style? Yeah, uh-huh. like you were like kind of, uh, um, what's the word? Kind of like, uh, I don't know, like like getting us pumped up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Like yeah. you were talking, uh, you know. Excitedly. A, yeah, excitedly and in a way that like is contagious, makes other people feel excited listening to the thing you're saying. Sure. Um, but yeah, I was kind of curious. Was there, it's just the idea of John being so evangelistic 
that you, because you, it seemed like you were pretty confident, like God is starting something mm. right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I said in first service, I said, I don't, and I said in second service, I don't know what is going to happen at the end of the, these 12 months. Like, I don't know what God is going to do. I, I don't know if people are going to come to faith for the first time. I don't know how our church is going to grow. I don't know how our church is going to be challenged. Um, but I do know that whenever God's word is preached, something happens. And it's usually going to end up in the end pretty good, even if it's like hard in the season. Mm. Um, it's going to end up good. So anyway, you anticipate those kinds of things that God's going to do something through his living and active word. And I think I felt that as I'm going into John 1, the mm. word was in the beginning, the word became flesh. I mean, this is like the intro to, well, if we look at the end of the book, something awesome happened. I mean, he died, rose again from the grave and yep. salvation became, you know, possible through his atoning work. And anyway, so I got excited about that. But on an evangelistic note, you know, some passages, a, a lot of passages are trying to build, you know, ethics in the people of God, right? They're already yeah. saved. How do I live that out? When you come to the gospel accounts, these people are pretty much just trying to convince you Jesus is the Messiah and you should put your faith and trust in him. Yeah, that's what um, he says in chapter 20. You highlighted right. that. Yeah. But like Matthew, right? He's trying to talk to a Jewish audience mm -hmm. and say, he is your Messiah King. Right. Bringing the kingdom of God. Yes. Yeah, exactly. um, Mark's doing the same thing. Totally. And... And Luke is obviously trying to lead Theophilus to faith in, or really ground him and convince him mm -hmm. that Jesus is God. And yeah, he says like to provide you an orderly account of yes. things or something. I think how Luke opens. Um, but actually, so you didn't have like a vision or a dream or something, but that you're gonna, you know, see amazing things happen in the church. That was just no. <laughs> okay, no. just want to double check if there was some kind of, you know, utterance there. Or... <laughs> no. Okay, but I, I think that's a good word for sure. That as we get into the gospel, kind of the way you know you you mentioned it, Cody, even last week as you were hinging between the Old Testament and New Testament, there was silence, and now there is. God speaks again by sending his son, right. which we see in the divine speech of right. John 1. Um, but what was interesting, you mentioned early on as you're looking at John, is the difference between what you said, the synoptic gospels. Uh -huh. But you didn't really define what that means. What does that mean exactly? Um, the word synoptic? Yeah. I, the, the, they're related. There's a relationship between these two, There or right. these three. There's a... Uh, Synthesis. That's right. Between the three, you can like put them down, <coughs> and they have a more parallelism than John does. Right, right, right. And I think even doesn't one of them uses the other. I think. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the sort of scholarly understanding is that either Matthew used Mark or Mark used Matthew. Yeah. Or something. We, we some, were talking about it a little bit in my small group that like there's. The, the, there's like this theory of a, like another gospel, like you'll see it in books referenced as like Q. I don't know why the letter Q. Oh yes. Yes. I've but heard of this. Because there's yep. stuff that's in Matthew, there's stuff from Mark in Matthew and Luke. Mm -hmm. And then there's stuff that Matthew and Luke share, mm -hmm. but there's no explanation of how Luke would have communicated to Matthew. Matthew communicated it to Luke. Right. So the idea is that there was like another document. Uh -huh. So they all can share 
Mm-hmm. You know, like they're like the way the sources, the way the stories line up, like it's hard to explain how two of them would share something that the third one didn't share unless yeah. there was like a fourth uh like mm. circulating document mm. of things Jesus said. Yeah. But ultimately yeah, so. ultimately who really cares? But yeah, they all have similar stories and then right. there's some stories that are similar among them, but maybe missing from one or whatever it is. Yeah, or slightly details, uh, you know, are d- slightly different from a different perspective. But they, they, that, that's what it is. So I'm looking at it right now. There's Matthew and Luke both have stories from Mark, but Matthew and Luke share a story between them that can't be found in Mark. And mm. so that's the fourth document mm. theory. Right. But the ultimate author. Is the Holy Spirit, and he he can coordinate all the. Exactly. You know what I mean. If, so that's all, if all the disciples were together, writing down every saying of Jesus, they could remember. And the Holy Spirit inspired Mark and Matthew and Luke, exactly, and inspired us to canonize it. Yeah. And the other one didn't get canonized. We're 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 still safe. Yeah, <laughs> and so John is different, kind of notably different from the other three Gospels. Not that it... Yeah, yeah. not it, like I said, not contradicting, not competing. Right. um, But just a different style Mm -hmm. or perspective of telling the story. And so he looks at it seemingly more... Obviously, he's going to tell actual stories that took place. Mm -hmm. But the stories are more clearly drawing out theological themes and implications. And I, I tried to explain... Where Matthew will say, and Mark will say things like, and even Luke, um, this was to fulfill what was written by the prophet here or said here, and then they'll quote that. And so the point that they're trying to make to a largely Hebrew audience or something like that is Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. And they're making a, what you would call a direct reference. But in John, because he's not assuming any biblical literacy or understanding. He doesn't make direct references because they wouldn't know what they are. And yet at the same time, it's pretty obvious he's using the Bible. Mm -hmm. In the beginning was the word. I mean, he's clearly using Genesis 1. Right. Um, As we move on, all of the the I am statements, I am the bread of life, I am the way, the truth, and life, I am uh, the gate. I mean, all of these things, right? Yeah. The I am is clearly pointing back to the time when, you know, God was speaking to Moses and Moses asked his name and he said, I am that I am. Um, so anyway, the, he uses a lot of allusions to the Old yeah. Testament, biblical reference or a, b- biblical theological themes mm-hmm. without direct reference. Even mm-hmm. this upcoming week, as John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, that's only in John. And that, of course, is referencing the Passover Lamb, yep, yep. which then later... He picks up in the book of Revelation, and we see the imagery there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to happen throughout John. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're, like, if you're excited about, like, theological themes Mm -hmm. and seeing sort of biblical theology coming together in the life and ministry of Jesus, then versus seeing how he fulfills Scripture, that's that could be Matthew, Mark, all these other ones. But Mm -hmm. this is how he's fulfilling the themes that are found in scripture. Mm-hmm. You're going to find that in John more often, which mm-hmm. again, it's just a higher perspective. Um, he's taken you all the way back to the beginning, not just Adam, but all the way back to before Adam uh, when there was just God. So anyway, it was, yeah. it's John's a very unique 
book. Yeah, it's, it's the I eagle. Mean, with how late? Yeah, the eagle. Uh, that we, was really that should have been like our logo or I, something, dude. I, I had I had no idea any of the gospels. Where did you find that? Yeah. Had nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just found it. it I don't awesome. know. I was reading a commentary or something, and it said it. It's a, I was yeah, like, that's wild. That is funny. I want to know the rest of the nicknames, the dude. Eagle. Yeah. So, what is Mark? Mark's the Roadrunner. Yeah, he's Mark, so Mark's fast. the Roadrunner. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, he's the guy in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> we have to give each gospel. I know, like dude. An I, I want to know if they have real cool nicknames. Matthew yeah, and is Ellis like a an lion. animal. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> he cares about the kingdom of God. Yeah, but it's an upside down kingdom. Mm. Maybe he's like a uh, a bat <laughs> <laughs> hanging upside down. You know? um, <laughs> off the rails. Off the rails. <laughs> uh, I've always kind of thought of John because of how late it is written compared to the other ones. Like I, you know, wonder, and I don't know if that was taught to me or because I've always kind of held it to just be true. I've never like <coughs> theorized whether I made that up or, if, mm. but that. Some of John is could be a reaction to John looking at people reading the Gospels or being taught the Gospels and seeing wrong conclusions they've come to, hmm. and being able to go, well, there's there's some other stories that clarify, hmm. <laughs> you know, and hmm. being able to sit down and write another Gospel, hmm. uh, you know, another account because he was an eyewitness too, mm-hmm. and going like these will be really good stories for the things I see people being confused about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I don't know if that actually happened. But just the laterness yeah. of it, like if the church was like, let's accumulate some more teachings about Jesus because people aren't quite getting it yet, you know? Yeah. But I don't know if that yeah, I don't know. Is, I th- is rightly applied or not. I think maybe the other thing could be, because it was later, heresies started coming in. Um, yeah, because he's real explicit with some stuff that the the other gospels aren't yeah. real explicit with. Like, right. He's pretty aggressive on some of these points. Yeah, like uh, I mean, one obviously is the the confusion or the curiosity between the relate the what do they call that um, the dual nature of Christ. Mm-hmm. What's this, oh yeah? What's the technical phrase for this? Hypostatic, hypostatic union. union. Thank oh. you, geez. Um, that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. Right. Now, yes, he became a man, but he pre-existed mm-hmm. as the eternal son of God. But there was a time, not when his nature changed, but he added on to his divine nature, a yeah. human nature, when he took on flesh. And theologians call this the hypostatic union. However, that doesn't make sense mathematically, <laughs> biologically. Like, you know, so you're like, oh, well, it, 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 it's either this or it's either that. And they struggle with seeing the two truths coming together, that he has these dual natures. Yeah, um, one and, plus one is one. Yeah. And then you add that to the Trinity where one plus one plus one plus it's one three. plus one plus one equals one. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> three <laughs> right? and one, yeah. And so anyway, you could see that he's trying to explain theologically through the life and ministry of Jesus combating some of maybe these like heresies that were developing as people are starting to think more deeply about Jesus. Um, Not just the like historical Jesus, but the theological Jesus. Yeah. Like the implications of what he was teaching and doing. Yeah. 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 So let, let me give you an account of who Jesus is theologically. I read this book. uh, It's hilarious. uh, Called Jesus made in America. 
And and he goes through like the iterations of Jesus in America, right? You've got revolutionary Jesus. You've got like hippie Jesus. You've got prohibition Jesus. You've got all these like <laughs> versions of Jesus um, yeah. that people sort of like like to think about. And it, it, rem- in that, <laughs> it, it reminded me of the Will Ferrell movie, right? Uh, like I like Talladega to think. Talladega Nights. Yeah, Talladega Nights. You know, I like to think of the baby Jesus, you know. People like to think of Jesus in particular ways that suit yeah. their desires. It reminded me of that Mars Hill podcast where they're like, he, the guy on there like to think of like MMA Jesus. Yeah. Because <laughs> like the warrior Jesus in yeah. Revelation, he's like, this is MMA Jesus, dude. That's my Jesus. <laughs> there you go. And I mean, these are not that I'm down on the chosen or whatever, but this is kind of why I'm down on the chosen because... <laughs> I I just it's someone's it's someone's like take artistic artistic interpretation, interpretation okay. of what yeah, yeah. he was like and and it's sort of like you know Hollywood's Jesus right Jesus made in Hollywood and so yeah I think these are the reasons why we probably ought to be aware of those things again I'm sure it's probably a great you know version of what he may have been like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But we often do these things with Jesus. And so, again, I think John is coming in going, let me give you a big picture of who Jesus is. Yeah. Not just Jesus, the Jew, or, you know, the Jewish rabbi, or these kinds of things, but Jesus, like, God. Yeah. And God who became flesh and dwelt among us. And anyway, I think that, uh, yeah. the God who came into the world and this and that. So anyway, he's God taking that who I created all mm. things and all things have been given into his hand. And yeah, for sure. I, so for, I don't know why this sticks out in my mind, but I'm having this vivid memory <laughs> of when I was at Multnomah Bible college, I was at a chapel and this dude was leading worship and I can't remember what the song was, but he was emphasizing this, this high view of Jesus. But he was, I don't, I don't even remember why, but he just goes, yeah, I mean, a lot of times we sit around and we think about Jesus as this pastel shirt wearing hippie. And then he just goes, nay, he's, <laughs> he's the king of the freaking world. And then he just like launched into the next worship song. Nay. Like, I like, yeah, it's that, this pastel shirt wearing hippie, nay. Nay. He's the king of the freaking world. You should pull out a nay every, <laughs> every now and again on Sunday, Cody. <laughs> it was, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, good teaching, though. Yeah. Like, because that's what he is. <laughs> so what aspect of John's gospel, which is like we we're talking about pretty somewhat unique in the in the sense of the other four gospels, is like most helpful, interesting? What is your favorite part of John's gospel? You mean you like say? grammatically? I don't theologic? know. Anything. I think I mentioned it. I mentioned it's the theology. It's the clarity of mm. his purpose. It's so helpful because when he gets to the end, he's like, I wrote these stories and I'm telling you these particular stories and not every other story in, in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, right? Like I, I actually don't really, John is hard for me. Paul is a lot easier for me, which is funny because people are usually the opposite, but I find John's (laughs) writings to be a struggle. Yeah, they are. The way that he writes, it, it's it's challenging. It's puzzling at times. It is, yeah. And so I'm excited to get into like John's head and like writing style, because um, yeah, challenged. It like, is. It's it, it is going to be a challenge for me. But I think the one thing that I appreciate about John, this is true about First John, mm-hmm. is he tells you why he wrote First John, 
to encourage them that basically you can't lose your salvation. (laughs) Like that's that's what he tells them. To make them sure of their salvation. Which is like, I'm writing you that you may not sin. Yeah, yeah, he goes on to say Yeah, he tells them his purpose in writing the letter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's helpful because it clarifies, it helps you to reorient yourself in every story. Mm -hmm. Okay, this story at the end of the day is trying to teach me something about Jesus with the intent that I believe something new or stop believing something old about him. Mm -hmm. Um. In, in, in order that I, you know, that would change my life and I would, you know, walk closer to him or whatever. So that's one thing I, I think I appreciate about John's gospel. I mean, it should color the way we look at the wedding at Cana, the mm-hmm. interaction with Nicodemus, the interaction with the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every, every story comes back to that sort of purpose right. statement. So I appreciate that. In the difficulty of the language... And the way he tells the story, I always know why he's telling it. Right, that's yeah. true. I th- I mean, it was a good point you made, though, that John doesn't assume biblical literacy of his audience uh-huh. and that we should take note and take heart of that. You know, like, that's pr- likely, unless we know otherwise of a person we're speaking with, how we should be interacting, too, to not assume. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I'm working with teenagers, like you learn this lesson quick, maybe maybe I learned it slower than some people should, <laughs> yeah. but but that you like it doesn't matter if this person is a Christian, has been raised in a Christian home. Like we can't assume biblical literacy for right. sure for anyone. No, especially not a teenager, but for an adult, like people have been Christians for a very very long time mm-hmm. who don't really read the Bible, yep. like and they have the dozen or so Bible stories that get taught in Sunday school and then the dozen or so home run sermons that their pastor liked to preach (laughs) when they were growing up. And who knows if they've heard any other parts of the Bible for for their entire lives, you know? So yeah, we have to assume Mm. uh, that not everything can just be said and everyone thinks we mean the same thing when we say it. Totally. And I've used this illustration before, but the other side of that spectrum is people have been Christians a long time. They've read the Bible several times and, and, but I use the illustration. They've built the house. They have the house. They've gathered all their furniture and they've put it in all the different rooms. And the furniture is the illustration of their theological uh, conclusions. But then when you walk in that house, it is an absolute disaster. (laughs) Like the couch is flipped upside down. The, the, pictures are on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um the fan is broken. It's like they have all of the stuff, but nothing is organized. So they have the theology, but nothing is organized in a way that's like cohesive and understandable and able to like be lived out functionally. And so I think that even on that side I've seen where people either they are naive or they have a bunch of clutter theological clutter. And again, John is trying to set all that in in place by casting this vision um, of who Jesus is based on his experience. But then theological reflection over years, mm-hmm. going back to that Jesus made in America, you know, he's, he's having time to think back on, man, what was that experience like walking with Jesus? Not just from a personal perspective, but from a theological perspective. 
and and he's he's casting it in that light. Anyway, that's one of the things I love about John and why <coughs> I'm excited about it. And yet I'm yeah. also challenged. I if I could say this too, one of the things why I think I was so excited, I I had this um this moment when I was in school. It was my first ever preaching class. And before the the professor, this was Dr. Cochran mm-hmm. um at CBU, before he taught anything about preaching, he took two weeks, so four full class sessions, because we had two two classes a week, just explaining to us what the Word of God does. And he started with this idea that the Word of God created everything. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of built on this idea that the Word of God then called a people in Abraham as it went out. And then the Word of God became flesh. And then the Word of God in the gospel is the power of God into salvation. And he just went off on like this biblical theology of what the Word of God does. Mm. And, and he was like, that's what you're wielding when you preach. The Word that brought the world into existence. The word, the, a, a word about the incarnate word that brings life and possesses power to save. Mm. That's what you're wielding. And then when you jump into John 1 and he's like, in the beginning was a word, the word was with God, and then you're, you're preaching it, you know, and you know that it, it can bring about change and transformation in the people who are hearing it in front of you. It's, uh, I mean, how could you not be excited about that? If you're not excited about it, then you should probably just get out of the game. <laughs> Honest, I mean, honestly. It's like, true. It's, it's like the anticipation that God's word has the power to change lives. If you don't believe that, then you shouldn't even be there. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't w- wake you up in the morning and push you through when times are hard, like, then just get out of the game. Um, so anyway, that was, I think, mm. I, I had that. I had those two weeks in my mind when I was writing the sermon because it was so inspiring. You know, it was like, yeah. dude, this is what we're doing. We are proclaiming the word, you know, it's, I don't know. It was just wild. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of aspects of John's gospel that, that are really encouraging. I think all the IMs, which we will get into yeah. are really powerful. The The part that always stands out to me is chapter 17 and the high priestly mm. prayer as it's called, Yeah, where we get to view Jesus's personal prayer life with the Father. We don't see that in any of the other Gospels, obviously. It just says, oh, he went away to a quiet place and prayed mm-hmm, alone. Mm-hmm. This, you actually get to see Jesus praying for the unity of his people, that that God would deliver people to him, that he could, you know, it's just like a beautiful prayer. And so I, I love that section of John. I can't wait to get there. Yeah, uh, But there's a, a year lot from now, basically. I know, it's going <laughs> to yeah. be a long time. Is there... Uh, one of our other questions we were talking about discussing, is there an aspect uh, or your favorite aspect of the gospel that's only found in John? Or is there something about... That was the, mine, I Is think. there something about the gospel that is illuminated in John that we wouldn't have had without it? Gosh. I mean, I mean obviously, like we already said, the Holy Spirit yeah. inspired these things to be written for a specific reason. So there's something, but... I don't know. I mean, do you guys have one? I mean, yeah, I'm not is, like... I just said mine. So that was mine. That was Cha- the one. Chapter 8 is Cody's. Chapter yeah. 8 is my favorite? Yeah, the beginning of chapter 8. That's what, what the name was. We'll get there. What's the beginning of chapter 8? Chapter 8 is the story of the woman caught in adultery. Who is, 
<laughs> who, who is spared by Christ? Oh, I do the like whole, uh, I do like people he, being spared. He who is without <laughs> sin cast cast the first stone, which is an interesting section of the gospel, which we'll get to eventually. Um, I do like when people are spared. I do like when there's a conflict and not really that much has to be said, and people just walk away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that maybe there that you is go. My, I found maybe your favorite. That is, maybe that is my favorite. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, man! Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot I've, of a I, lot of his discourses. I think. I think one of the. I mean, this is. There's a lot of favorite. You know, great sections in John. I think one of my favorite though has to be the John 15, the vine and the branches. Mm-hmm. There's so many layers to that story, and that's the the where we get the abide, right? Yeah, abiding yeah. in mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah, um, abiding in Christ. I mean, you could do a a year long series on that. Oh, for sure. I actually <laughs> read this book by John Stott a while ago, and where he goes over all the prepositions hmm. with Christ, in Christ, through Christ, on Christ, for Christ. You know, all the prepositions. Hmm. And and sort of parsing out what each of them sort of means in relation to our abiding in him, you know? Uh, and I found it really rich and helpful in thinking through all of that. But anyway, I just like that idea. Apart from him, we can do nothing, it says in that section. And yeah. just what that even means to like, okay, I am saved, but what does that mean to to walk with him? And where does my strength to fight sin and glorify God uh, come from it comes from my just connection relationship to him um, but anyway I thought that w- that's a great but then the, yeah. the other part where he's like dead branches he cuts them off <laughs> yeah and obviously I've reflected on that yeah um because it's you know when you have plants and you 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 see a dead branch you're like oh, I'm gonna cut this off you feel nothing but when it's like people, and you know their names, and mm-hmm. you've, yeah, you yeah. know that, and that's when it's like, oh man, this is painful. Um, so anyway, that's a, always an interesting passage. To I me. remember we had a uh, we had like a retreat when I was at the young adult ministry. We did a hike, dude, and this was a hike, dude. We were like, anyways, we hiked up a mountain, mile and a half, something like not too long, but it was like pretty steep, couple couple miles. Um, anyways, and then Chuck, Lindsay, Lindsay came with us and he taught on that passage of John when oh, we wow. got to the top not the top. We were like at the saddle or whatever. And, uh, it was like, it, it sticks with me. One of the things he mentioned is like, you can do where he says you can do nothing. Like you can do no good thing apart from God. Yeah. Um, anyways, I remember that little devotion. That guy had a way with helping, <sighs> helping the word like stay with you. So I, I haven't talked to him in so many so many years. Dude, this this guy, Chuck Lindsay, I'll never forget. He came and preached for the first time at this high school camp. And we were all high school leaders. I was probably 24 or something. And I I had never in a sermon felt the manifestation of the spirit <laughs> falling upon a room through the word being preached until that moment. And I'm I literally had to leave the room. I was so emotional. Mm. I go into the bathroom and my friend is also in there <laughs> weeping. Oh, wow. And, wow. and I'm like, what is, and all of the leaders, dude, we talked to him afterward. We're like, what just happened? I, I'll never forget that moment. It was like something divine just took place here. Mm. 
it was, he was preaching Very on, cool. he was preaching on the Roman seven passage. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> he took it the way I take <laughs> it, sure Rob, he did, yeah. which God affirmed <laughs> yeah. was the right interpretation. No. Yeah. Has a was, room ever wept while someone described your interpretation? <laughs> Dude, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes, they have. Just not me. But for the right reason. <laughs> <laughs> Lord save Rob. <laughs> oh gosh, that's funny. Anyway, four Good sections. Times. And I took four themes out of this, which I yeah, yeah, yeah. mentioned was a struggle to try and figure out how to approach John 1, a familiar passage. It's so broad because it's it's an introduction. It's an yeah. overview almost in some ways. Totally. Well, and it's also, I mean, I think that's, to go back just slightly to like, the cool parts of John's gospel oh, is yeah. how rich with metaphor it is. The mm-hmm. the word, the light, the you mentioned already, the vine, the branch, the bread, the, shepherd. Mm-hmm. the shepherd, you know, like yeah. the, all those metaphors. I think I am drawn to it. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's super annoying. <laughs> like, tell me what you mean. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But artistic so, people. Yeah, <laughs> really I'm like, oh, it. these are great metaphors yeah, for yeah. someone, you know, they mean a lot of different things, right? Um, and so probably that's a little bit of why this section can be difficult to preach, especially the way we are trying to preach, where we're trying to get at the author's intended meaning to his audience Mm -hmm. and extrapolate that to our audience today. Uh, if it's like a buttload of metaphors. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's one way to put it. Yeah. And so Rob pointed out, you have your own titles. (laughs) Yep. For your sections, but uh-huh. Rob pointed out that that follows along a common way to make sure you share the full gospel, which is God, man, Christ response. Mm-hmm. Did you know you were doing that when you did it? I, yes. Okay. <laughs> I did. At some point it dawned on me, oh, what I'm doing is God, man, Christ response. Yeah. And this which was. Which maybe real quick before you expand, our main idea for the passage, John 1, 1 through 18, in Jesus, God became a man. So that men might become children of God. And your four sections were... And hey, you guys can push back on that. Is that an okay main idea? No. From this passage? Terrible. You don't like it? No, I thought it was great. Um, you could have. It could have been like the one and only child of God became a man so that men could become children of God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just so that phrase is doubled. But yeah. I think that's true. I think the, the opening few lines... Uh, focus on the incarnation because that's that's what this is, and so God became man. And then I think verses twelve and thirteen are very explicitly saying, this "Believe is, in Jesus, believe, so that you will become a child of God." So I, yeah. I really liked. I thought that was a helpful way to boil it down. So that was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many ways to talk about this section. I guess I just didn't want to have a theological academic discussion about the word. And then people walk away going, wow, that was interesting. Mm. You know, I want, I I mean, he's talking about the word for a reason. Like I said, he's trying to get something done. He's trying to get them to believe that the word is God and he was there in the beginning. He made all things and and that word became flesh and you should believe in him. You know, like that's, that's obviously what he's trying to do in chapter one. So if your main idea doesn't have something like that and it just sounds like something out of a theology class, you're probably not getting it right. Hmm. Yeah. And so your four sections were God and the Word, mm-hmm. or we could summarize it as God. God. Right, who is God? That's right. The Word and the World, which we could summarize as man, man. <laughs> who are the people that live in the world. Uh, the Word in the World, 
which is Christ. Yes. The word became flesh. Yeah. Came into the world. Um, and then uh, God's work in the world through the word. Uh, and that maybe is probably the the loosest of the four <laughs> to call that response. Right, right. But but it could. is. You went back to verse twelve and thirteen. But God's work in the world—that's the interesting sort of. Hey, I want you to believe in Him. However, let me remind you that this isn't by your will or mm-hmm. the will of the flesh or the will of anybody else, but God. Mm-hmm. Uh bringing about spiritual rebirth, um, yeah. which I think is sort of the, the hopeful twist, I'll put it that way. The, it's, again, the, the profundity of this passage is that the divine creator would come into our jacked up world, you know? Yeah. But the, the good news of that is because part of that could be like, oh, geez, dad's home, we're all getting beat up. You know, <laughs> we've, been, we've been acting bad. And dad's home. What are we going to do? Um, but instead, he's he the God's work in the world through the word is to bring about salvation. Right. And that the hope is that the same light and word that's or the same word that spoke light into darkness in the beginning is able to speak light and life into the darkness of our world today mm-hmm. and bring about spiritual life. That's the hope. Um, and so we believe because he is bringing about, he's shining the light in the world through his word. And that's, again, that's the hope that we have. And so we're thankful that God did all that he did in salvation. And he's introducing those themes here in the beginning. We'll tease it out more in the book. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Did you guys see that? Is that like, was that apparent in the passage? I don't know if I'm just... No, it is. It's very apparent. I think it's hard because there's a lot of different directions. You You could have gone into tangents. Like, I think the opening few lines are very like an easy way to jump into Trinitarian theology. How is it that that the word is with God and the word is God? What are we talking about? <laughs> How does that work together? And then you can go into the, which I think is a an amazingly important text of scripture when we yeah. talk about the nature of our Trinitarian God who is, you know, three in one. And yeah. so you could have like, Launched into it, but of course that wasn't necessary, or even I don't think that would have been helpful. But it's interesting to think about. It is, sure. yeah. I yeah, I'll admit I went there a little bit with like our small group time discussing yeah. it because it is fun. That's a great time to go into that. You know, like cre- like <clears throat> creation, like what, like why, why is creation even done through a word? Like mm-hmm. it's only God. <laughs> yeah. Why is he saying out loud That's what he's true. doing? You know, like, who's he talking to? <laughs> you know, like, and what is it? What's it tell us? What's it reveal about us? You know, but again, it's one of those where like different personalities are going to be drawn to that. Uh, I actually right. appreciated we were kind of like discussing this word and what's the significance of a word. And uh, and then a different personality, Dean Boring, who we all respect <laughs> as a devoted, faithful Christian, you know, he's like, you're doing a lot more with it than I did. I just, <laughs> yeah. I just saw that Jesus is the word. <laughs> Jesus is God's word. That was that was that was enough for me. You know, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it's true. It's enough right there. And it's also fun to to dig in and what what's the significance of why would God speak in the first place? What's yeah. it mean? You know, like all, all of that can be just as encouraging yeah, or, as as going like 
Jesus is the word and I believe it and I love it and I'm going out and serving, you know? Yeah, he's the <laughs> divine speech of God representing who God is. Right. Outs- yeah. Um, but of course, you've probably heard other people talk about the the word logos and the, yeah. the importance of it in Greek philosophy. Yep. yep. I heard D.A. Carson give a lecture on this and he was pretty adamant that that, that was not necessarily John's aim. But yeah. I've heard some people say that that seems to be too much of a coincidence. John must be appealing to Greek philosophy and this idea of logos or logic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you have any thought on that? Uh, yeah, I do. I intentionally left it out. (laughs) (laughs) You were with Carson on that. Hey, well, I left it out because, yeah, I mean, but that goes back to my earlier point. I think that his primary reason for speaking about the logos, the word, the Greek word, for the word in John one is the word logos um, is primarily referring back to Genesis one. However, he's doing this really cool, like judo move here where he is addressing what would have been some early heresies uh, or cultural understandings of the creation and origin of things. And yes, in Greek philosophy, there were some, I think it was a guy named Philo, I think was his name who had this idea that the word, the logos, or the logic or reason, basically brought everything into creation. However, that logos was impersonal, Mm -hmm. and it was not divine. Um, So there was obviously significant differences. But this, because it was a Hellenistic culture, potentially, that John is writing to, or or part of that, at least, it's clever. It's a very clever way of speaking into an issue that, or a, a, not an issue and a cultural moment right. by using this sort of language. And, and I'll, I'll use another example of that, how we see that too. Moses did the same thing with the cosmogony. That's a fancy word for the, a creation narrative mm-hmm. in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, because the structure of that is a, was a very familiar structure used in the ancient Near East. Um, uh, I, I forget the name of the group, but they they had a very similar one, and archaeologists have uncovered it, where it's almost like Moses hijacked mm. this other very popular um, ancient Near Eastern cultural cosmogony, understanding of the origin, yeah. but then reworded it to talk about one God and how he created everything and one man and woman and these kinds of things. But the way he uses it was a, a style familiar with the culture of the day. And, and John, I think is just doing the same thing here. Right. Yeah. Which is, speaks more to his evangelistic bent. Absolutely. Like he is speaking to that culture in order in the language they understand Yep, that would capture their imagination and get them to look at Christ for who he is. Yep. Yeah. I think that's true. Which again is just another example of how we should not assume biblical literacy in in anyone when we're evangelizing them, certainly. But we should also tap into the cultural moments that are available to us now to say, hey, let me let me help explain something. I mean, I used critical race theory not that <laughs> long ago because I knew this person had no biblical categories, mm-hmm. but they had been uh, looking into critical race theory just because of the last few years and all that's been going on there with wokeism and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, Hey, let me just take some of those categories and then help you understand how that is 
what they're doing with that and then and then use it as a framework to help you understand what how the Bible has right. similar yet different categories and blah 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 blah. So I mean use use the things that are available to you um to help explain where they're failing, but then ultimately right. bring them back to the truth of scripture and and the categories that are found in the Bible mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. That, do you, you? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say. Well, I was going to transition. Are you? It, I was going Philo, off. Of, I was going off of Alexandria. That. that was the guy's <laughs> one name. One at a time. One at a time, guys. <laughs> I, I was going off of what you were just saying. Do you? You know, as you were thinking, you were. How like, would you explain like the gospel said, from critical race theory? No, no, no. I don't. I I, I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't know where you went with that. <laughs> um, no, I'm more. Uh, as you're thinking about that, like you were excited about the John and what God can do with John in mm-hmm. our church, mm-hmm. which I agree is an exciting moment. And uh, you mentioned one right there, like the other, the example in scripture is Paul, who like looked around and saw you guys worship all kinds of gods. Mm-hmm. You even have gods that you like, just in case you got a God you don't know the name of. Let me give you a name for that one, you know? Right. Yep. Um, do you feel like there are things in our culture today that make people especially open to hearing the gospel? Like things about mm-hmm. our culture, maybe even not our culture in general, maybe our culture in, in like can be. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like the like the most immediate culture we experience um, that, you know, that are going to be like simple uh, and logical bridges to what we're going to be learning in John and how to share with people. I mean, I think that, yeah, sure. Yes and no. I I think everybody's dealing with similar things, but they're all dealing with them from different angles and perspectives. Hmm. And that's what I appreciate about John is in one scene, he's talking to a religious Pharisee who should know a lot. The next scene, he's talking to an outskirt Samaritan woman at a well. And in both scenarios, this is what we can discern is that he was doing relational evangelism. He was having a conversation and with the woman, he actually asks something of her. Hey, can you give me a drink of water? So he's reciprocating. You, you have something to offer me. I have something to offer you. This is a long way of saying, I think that we as Christians, especially in can be, one of the ways that I found evangelism to be successful is by building relationships Mm. and actually knowing the person Mm -hmm. coming to know the person and then figuring out what is the vice in this person's life. Sometimes you might find it's spiritual trauma. They were raised with something and they're like, heck no, we won't go. I'm not, I, I, I've been there, done that. I'm a recovering, whatever. Um, sometimes it's like they have nothing. And they've never even met a Christian and they're just caught up in sin. Some of them is ambition in life. And so you could say maybe it's just an idolatry of possessions or whatever. So you got to find out what it, what it is in that person, but it's all through relationship. So there's, there's not like a one size fits all little five step book you can give me to no. Oh, we can't preload a like can be specific gospel presentation. (laughs) I mean, you could, I just don't find that it to works be effective. On, that works on Canvi people? Yeah. I just don't think it's effective <laughs> in disciple making. I mean, yeah. yeah, you could at the end of the day pat yourself on the back and say, I got the gospel out, but no one heard you. <laughs> no one heard you. Yeah, you threw a bunch of seed out on the asphalt, but it never took. <laughs> it never took because you never, 
you never tried to till up the soil. You know what I mean? You didn't yeah. even try to build a relationship with this person. You just got out there, threw it out there, and then it washed away into the gutter. And and I think a lot of people do that because they're lazy in their evangelism and they don't want to build relationships with people. And they yeah. just, well, it's hard. Building relationships means you got to be vulnerable. You got to take a lot of time. There's is a, lot is, is a person's soul not that. worth that, Rob? Oh, no, absolutely <laughs> it is. I'm saying that's what people often will cite. You know, Absolutely. Like, yeah, excuses for that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, going, continue on this idea of evangelism. But did like, not Jesus think that people were worth it? Yeah. He left heaven. Apparently he did. He got, <laughs> he opened his front door, walked out into his neighborhood. You know, he got out he there and door? mixed it up with people. I'm using the metaphor. You actually have to get out of your comfort zone. I thought he stood at the door and, and knocked. <laughs> yeah. He's at your door. <laughs> Come and knock on my door. <laughs> um, I was going to say this. One of the ways that John John uh, evangelizes, uh, and you mentioned this in your sermon kind of explicitly, which was interesting, I hadn't thought about it, is that he is giving eyewitness empirical evidence. Mm-hmm. That was something that you brought mm-hmm. up. And I'm curious, why did you think that was an important inclusion? Like you, you were just saying, um, that's one of the, the reasons for the Gospels. And I think Luke does this maybe even a little more explicitly than John, but something similar where he's saying, and he does it more in First John, right? Where he says what we have seen and, and touched. Yeah, John says that in First John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke doesn't use language like that. No, no, John no. John is the one trying to provide empirical evidence. Well, like Luke says I'm providing an account, an orderly account of the historical situation. Yeah. Of the, so that, that's what he's, I'm saying. He's giving historical evidence. Yeah. John, I think, is trying to emphasize, I'm giving empirical evidence. Yeah. Like, I, I can... Personal testimony. Personal testimony. Um, and, you know, I, I can, like I said, first service, I can prove to you an iPad exists because <laughs> I, I'm literally looking at it. I'm holding yeah. it. I'm touching, you know. Uh, I can't prove to you that um, the, uh, what's the stinking, like, Bigfoot. I can't prove to you Bigfoot exists. Cody can. I've got no empirical evidence. No, I for can't this either. Thing. I mean, I've seen some nests, but <laughs> some nests. <laughs> but there's no empirical evidence. There's some weird stories out there. There's eyewitness accounts. I mean, these one person, you know, one crazy guy out there saw it. My point is, is where is it? Yeah. I I just yeah. And I, even I've if it does seen, exist, it doesn't change anything. But I, if Jesus exists, it changes everything. Really. Yeah, I, I've yeah, seen that's a, that's baby, the best point you made. Baby Bigfoot feet. Like baby Bigfoot uh, imprint imprints in the ground. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those. Hmm. <laughs> AK normal sized feet imprints in the ground. <laughs> oh Anyways, my goodness! I've seen. There's so much evidence for that. But I think you know people want. I mean, uh, doesn't Thomas say that? Yeah. Unless I can put my hands in the holes in his side and the holes in his hands, I will not believe. He's like, I'm not going to believe you guys that Jesus came back to life until I see him with my own eyes and I touch him with my own hands. And then Jesus shows up. He's like, okay, here you go. You can put your hand right here in the hole in my side. And then he says the famous, my Lord and my God. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to see this this week with Nathaniel. Because he's like, can anything, he's like, really? You found the Messiah? He's doubting as he's being called by by Philip. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, are you serious? This guy's the Messiah. I don't think so. He shows up and Jesus is like, oh, I know you. I saw you under the fig tree. And then Nathaniel's like, you are basically (coughs) declares his faith, which is an amazing thing we'll get into next week. But similar thing is happening there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I thought yeah. that was a cool uh, emphasis that you made. I hadn't been thinking about that when I was reading it ahead of time. So that was kind of a helpful way to think about what John is doing, providing evidence. Right. And that's what I was saying. You got to get to know people because people need different things. You know, they want historical evidence. They want prophetic evidence. They mm. want empirical evidence. You know, they want eyewitness evidence. They, you know, just different kinds of evidence to prove that Jesus is Lord, Savior, really mm-hmm. exists, is mm-hmm. God. Um, like, it's it's this question, prove to me that God exists. Yeah. John's like, I'll prove to you right now, Jesus, Jesus proved that God exists right. when he came into the world because he was God. And yeah, you can't see God. He says that in verse 18, but he made him known right. to us. Mm-hmm. And so it, going back to that God-man Christ response, I can't prove to you that God exists because I can't hand you God. That would that's a ridiculous statement because God is bigger than all of this, the His creation. But I can prove to you that God exists through history, through revelation—not mm-hmm. the book Revelation, but that He has revealed Himself in His mm-hmm. Word, um, and He revealed Himself completely in Christ. Mm-hmm. So, a- anyway, going on and on and on, I can prove to you that God exists from these things. Jesus Himself proved God's existence and right. who He is and what He's like and what He came to do. And we will get more into that as we go through the gospel of John. But I mean, I think even that highlights a pretty major difference to our culture in that it probably was fairly rare to the people John was writing to that they didn't believe in any God whatsoever. Hmm. Am am I, you think I'm accurate in that? I think you're wrong. You think I'm wrong. You think atheism, like there is no God, no spiritual force. I think certainly in like side of like scientific, you know what I mean? Cause that's fairly common now. Sure. Yeah. And I think that was probably true in some Greek philosophers minds. Yeah. Maybe I'm not understanding that aspect as well as I think I am. I mean, you guys were just, somebody was just quoting Paul on Mars Hill when he's walking through and it's like, wow, I see you worship many gods. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily. That's the world of the Bible. I think of more that like, if they weren't worshiping Yahweh, they had their own God. They had their own God. You yeah. know what I mean? Not no God. Yeah. They had a God. Where now lots of people gods. have no God whatsoever and the spiritual realm as a whole is non-existent. Right. There, and, and yet at the same time, we would be able to diagnose that everybody worships something. Yeah. Um, Good point. <laughs> what is that song? What's that song out there? You got to worship something? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> there's, a, there's a secular song written a long time ago that says that. Anyway, yeah, I mean, everybody worships something because God yeah. made us as worshipers. So whether it's pleasure or ambitions or whatever, we all devote our day to something. We wake up in the morning to pursue something, and that thing is our God. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but then they would have been more honest because it was less taboo to believe in a God. It was, it was uh, more taboo to not believe in something or to acknowledge the belief in something. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he's, John's writing into that sort of culture. Right on. Should we move on? We should. Let's do it. You ready? You want to you give it or you want me to give it, Rob? Oh, I will. All right, here it comes. The volunteer of the week, I guess we'll say. This week is going to be Mike and Bonnie Sweat. Nice. <laughs> um, wow. So this week we we uh, began the process of building our scarecrow, which is like a little display that's going to go out in a corner here downtown to, you know, bring in the fall 
holidays and to represent our church a little bit, or at least, you know, a kind of in a fun way. It's a fun um, little town event. Yeah. And uh, so my small group had the privilege of serving the church and this week. So we hosted host, yeah, host food group. and we um, took care of all the kids. But a group of us from that, from, from my group, went down here to the workshop and built this little Charlie Brown scarecrow uh, thing for the Great Pumpkin, which was a lot of fun. And Bonnie is actually very crafty. She helped to make like all the arms and, and stuff like that. We worked as a group, but I thought specifically... She's crafty or she's, she's good with crafts? <laughs> <laughs> she's, isn't that, you could say that. Someone is crafty if they're good with crafts. Crafty does have like It's a, a weird connotation. Uh, yeah, it has a connotation. Of like, what's another word? Schemes. Like conniving. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> You're a crafty little like child, ser- aren't you? serpents are crafty. You know? <laughs> she's crafty with crafts <laughs> and uh, was, was very helpful along with Mike um, and, and a few others who were, who were helping out. But I thought I'd give them a shout out for the work that they did there. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Very yep. great. So if you know them well, tell them, congratulate them for being the volunteer of the week and, uh, and let them know you're glad that they're a part of our church. Mm. Okay. Bible trivia. Like we were just talking about, um, the gospel of John doesn't have many quotation citations from the old Testament, but it has some, this Ooh. section is called Ooh. the old Testament in the new Testament. So these are all quotations mm. in the new Testament. Your goal is to find out where the quotation comes from. Okay. In the old Testament. Okay. As it is cited in the new Testament. And okay. um, this is ma- a tough section. Yeah, it is. The majority of them are ma- are definitely Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's a, yeah. a lot of Gospels here. But I'll give you a few from John just to, uh, you know, because why not? Uh, okay. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. <laughs> this is a... Uh, can you give us this the, is in like, King James can you version. give us the English Standard Version? I guess it'd be like zeal for your house consumes me yeah, as something. it is written. Zeal for your house consumes me. Jesus is like flipping tables. Yep. This is the next um, chapter of John. Where, where did it is. say zeal for your house consumes me? What book of the Bible do you think that I'm is? Just gonna, is, I'm, it, is, it I'm mi- out, is it a I'm minor prophet? Isaiah. I'm going to throw out Isaiah just to throw it out. It is not a prophet. Oh, a so psalm. Cody, wow. Cody gets, it Cody is gets a, the want. It is a psalm. Out. It is psalm. I'm going to take a wild guess. It's a 35. psalm. 35. It is a psalm, <laughs> but the psalm is Psalm 69. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. But good. Well, this, this is a tough section. Yeah, it is. It's going to be. Um, okay. The Lord hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? It was in John chapter 12. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. This is coming out of Exodus. This, this, I think it's the haths. This is oh, tough really? For yeah, me. it might be. Exodus? John 12. I mean, I'm thinking, I was thinking of, yeah, the, uh, like the report. What is it? What the is it? The report when they go into the promised land and come back, but that's you, not you're Exodus. You're Exodus? I don't even know what you is just that quoted. You know where they go to the this promised land and uh, they come back and yeah, they're this like, is Rahab? milk and honey, dude. Is this Rahab saying this? John 12, 38. Lord, who has, yeah, who has believed John what 12, he heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is when Jesus is talking about the unbelief of the people. I mean, it says who after said, being signed. I okay, can't, what, I can't what, is, what is the Old Testament reference? The I can't Testament participate because I looked it up and it's literally the verse before says, as so-and-so <laughs> oh. <laughs> said might be fulfilled. What is it? What is it? The, Isaiah. The prophet, yeah. My gosh. The verse right before. So the word spoken this is too by hard. the prophet. John actually, Isaiah. he gives it. He says, yeah, he says who it's from. from this the is too hard. Isaiah. Okay, last one. Wait. Um, there you go. <laughs> okay, we're just doing book, not chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just book, just book. John uh, 19, 
where we read, a bone of him shall not be broken. Psalm. Speaking about 22. Jesus. 22. Let's see if it is. Is that Psalm 22 or is that Isaiah also? It is. It is neither of those books. What? A bone of his shall not be broken? Is Zechariah? It's not from Isaiah. Zephaniah. It's not like the suffering servant? You would think so. What does it say? What is it? It's actually from Exodus. It says Exodus twelve forty six. False. Fifty five. A bone False. of him shall not be broken. John nineteen. This Bible trivia 36. book is not. The Jesus answered, book "My of kingdom Bible is trivia. not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. Exodus delivered. Twelve forty six. But my kingdom is not of this world." Oh, it's the Passover being instituted. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the home. You shall not break any of its bones. Whatever. Oh, that's what it's saying. Yes. It's, it's, the, it's the King James version of it that is is messing with us. We have had a sad a sad Bible trivia. You know if what? If you had said it, uh, you, you may not break any of its bones, we would have thought we would have jumped to another story. Whatever, this only dude. shows that we need to study this gospel more closely, and that's what we're going to do. Dude, it shows you never stop learning. <laughs> you should always jump back into the Bible. <laughs> Every day, if, yeah. Yeah, very good. Okay, cool. Thanks for listening, well, everybody. Uh, any preview for the next one? What are we up to next week? I don't know. I think we're going to look at how disciples are made. Yep. Jesus' baptism. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone wants to get baptized next week. Dude, I'm going to talk about baptism. Because there's probably some people in our church who claim to be Christians but haven't been baptized yet. Or people who want to become, you know, make their faith public. Yeah. And don't know how to do that. And there you go. We, I'm going to talk about it this week for sure. Yep. Awesome. Get See baptized. You. Get See dunked. You. <laughs> Get baptized. <laughs>